So let me tell you something cool I see happening as we continue on. I guess this is about our third week and we've got one more next week talking about using our gifts and identifying how God has gifted us. Here's the exciting part for me is I see some light bulbs starting to come on. And uh, that's, that's when it gets really cool is when you see the light bulb starting to come on and the realization, and sometimes for some in our congregation, the light bulb is coming on for the very first time. You know, for the first time, they're beginning to realize, you know, God has gifted me. I can be a part of using my gifts for kingdom purposes. And that's a brand new revelation for some because some people just struggle with that thought of, you know, I don't really have anything to contribute, and who am I, and that's for somebody else. And so when that light bulb starts to come on, that's an exciting thing uh, to, to realize that you do have something to contribute specifically for kingdom purposes. Now, I've used that phrase twice already, for kingdom purposes. Let me tell you why. Because there is a difference in just serving to serve and serving to build up the kingdom. And, and just serving for the purpose of serving, that, that, there is some good in that. That is a good thing. Uh, but let me give you an example. Let's say that an, a great way to serve, which, by the way, really is a great way to serve, would be to go, say, to a, a nursing home, an area with, uh, where there are several senior adults, and a lot of times in those cases, maybe they don't have family, they don't have people coming to see them, it can be a very lonely time. And so going to, maybe to go and visit, and to encourage, um, and just to build a relationship in a setting like that, that's a good thing. That can be done without any focus of a kingdom purpose. That can just be done to, you know, just be a, a, a kind person and And I said, there's value in that. But what if you were to take that same act of service and turn that into something that is kingdom focused? So now as you're going, you're still doing the same thing, but now you're doing it with the intention of encouraging that person and talking about how God has a purpose for them, maybe offering to pray with them before you leave, you know, and and turning that toward, you know, it's, it's just so much more impactful when we are serving with that kingdom focus, and, and, and that is our desire. It's impactful on those around us, those that we are serving, but it's also very impactful in the life of the one doing it, right? And some of you are like, yeah, I've, you, you get this because you do this. The spiritual impact might be on us. And one of the, the things that we discover, and we'll jump into this further a little bit later, is the fact that we grow. When we begin to serve. And that's one of the reasons it's exciting for me to see those light bulbs coming on because I know what that means is people are about to step into some areas of growth that they haven't experienced before. They're about to realize that God has a calling on my life to serve Him in a particular way according to the way that He has gifted me. That God's calling is not just for a select few or for those that are in, you know, whose job it is to be in ministry, but God's calling is for every one of us. And so, you know, I was just reminded of that and reminded of how um, encouraging it can be for us to serve in our area of giftedness. Just this past week, I was having a conversation uh, with one of the ladies from our church by the name of Pam, and she just kind of came to us recently again and said, hey, just a reminder, I love to cook for things, and I think hospitality is one of her top spiritual gifts, and that's one of the ways that she can exercise that gift. And so she said, just a reminder of that. Well, I was, uh, you know, and there are different ways that we can do that, which, by the way, let me just, a quick little aside here. If that is something that you enjoy, one of the ministries that we have at our church is called Helping Hands Ministry, where we provide meals to people people maybe that are, you know, sick or coming out of the hospital or whatever. So if that's your thing, 
and you're interested in that, jot that down on the back of the, of the response card somewhere and put, I'm interested in helping hands and we'll get you in touch with them. But, uh, but, but in particular, in this one, we have a group coming on Tuesday morning. There's a group in our community you've heard me talk about before, probably it's called Pastor Connect. We get together about once a month. We pray together. We encourage each other. And we're hosting it this Tuesday. And whoever's hosting it generally does, you know, a little bit of food, juice, whatever. It may just be something as simple as donuts or whatever. And I was thinking that's probably what we would do. And then I remember Pam. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to ask her. I said, y'all know it's early. Don't know what the schedule is. You understand? And she was so excited to say, yes, I would love to do that. And it just reminded me that what, frankly, might be a burden to somebody else, Right? If that's your passion and that's your giftedness and you're like, yes, this is a chance to use, you know, what God has, has given me a heart for and this, this gift of hospitality and all that, that becomes actually life-giving in, the, in, in that individual's life. And so that's why it gets exciting for me because, you know, I, I want you to know that our desire as leadership in the church, this is not about getting you to do more of what we need from you. This is about putting you in a place where you realize, you know, God has gifted me and has given me a calling. And as I serve him, that there's joy that comes with that. And it allows me to move into some of those areas that God wants me to move into. And so it's, it, it can be and should be an energizing type of thing. Now, for some, frankly, you're like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't find energy in serving God. And here's, here's the thing. For some, the light bulb, I said, is coming on for the first time. For some, the light bulb is beginning to come back on because it got burned out. Sometimes that light bulb can get burned out, right? Over time and continual use. And burn out is a really good phrase to describe how some people view serving. Yeah, they've just done it so much. And after a little while, it's like, man, it just gets to be too much. Uh, now, I, we're going to jump in in a minute into our passage. I know we're taking a little bit longer to get there. But let me just, speaking about that issue of burnout, if there's anybody in this room that struggles with that, has struggled with that, let me just give you, this is kind of my two cents worth of some things that I think will help. Just two suggestions that will help to avoid burnout when it comes to service. The, the first one is this, to ensure proper balance in your service and really maybe I really just should say in your life in general but your service as it as it relates to the rest of what you're doing in your schedule proper balance is really important see sometimes we get burned out because we get so engrossed in good things I mean everybody would agree that serving God is a good thing right or um, kids activities well it's a good thing for our kids to be busy Uh, it's a good you know too much of a good thing can lead to burnout, even when it comes to serving. So make sure that you find proper balance. Yes, it's important to serve God, but it's also important to spend time with family. It's also important to get enough sleep, to exercise, to take care of yourself. It's important to spend time with God. And, you know, there's only so many hours in a day, right? And so at some point, we have to take a step back and evaluate and ask the question, if I'm beginning to experience a burnout, is it because I'm trying to burn the candle at both ends and I'm not having proper balance in my life? And it may be that sometimes we need to take a step back from some things and to say, I, I, in order to find balance, in order for me to be able to serve in a way that is actually beneficial to the kingdom and to me as well, maybe you need to, to, to look at that. The second one is this, uh, I would encourage you to serve in your area of giftedness and passion. 
Because if you're trying to serve in a way that you're just not gifted to serve or you're just not excited about it, it doesn't really ring your bell spiritually, you're more, more likely to get burned out pretty quickly. That goes back to what I said a moment ago. Uh, for somebody that has a passion for something to serve in that area is actually life-giving. Just one of the examples that comes to mind for me, uh, one of our great ministries that we have at our church is our First Impressions team, people that are there to greet you and make you feel comfortable, and that's one of the keys to, to setting the whole culture for our church. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, if you do not enjoy interacting with people, if you're not a people person, and you're trying to serve on the First Impressions team, it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn you out. You, it's going to get to be a beating pretty quickly. But the flip side of that is, if you are a people person, what happens when you interact with people? You actually get life from that, Right? It actually fills you up more than sucks the life out of you. And so looking at those things and saying, okay, what are those things that actually fill me up as I'm serving is a good way to look at that. All right, that's a lot longer than normal to get to where we're going for our scripture, but just some thoughts leading in to Ephesians chapter 4 today. I want you to open there with me to uh, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. We're going to read 11 through 16 today. In verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Great reminder there of how the body is intended to work together, right? That that each part, and we talked about that last week, 1 Corinthians 12. Parts of the body, each part has its job, it works together. Kind of a similar um, idea here in this passage as well. And so three things that I want to point out, three important things that we'll get to. And the first, uh, before we get to the first one, let me just point out the fact I found this interesting in verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave, and he goes and lists these you know, five specific different areas. Remember us talking about that last week, that God is the one who determines who gets what gift and how the parts of the body are supposed to work together. So we're reminded of that again in this passage as well. Christ is the one who gave these gifts. Um, and then he, he, he lists out five different areas of, of how he gifted those to lead the church rather than going into them specifically and talking about it specifically. Just think of those in, in terms of a broad category of those that, that, that lead. Now there is some question about, uh, and scholars would debate a little bit on, uh, <coughs> whether verse 12 applies the equipping of the people for works of service that we'll talk about here in a minute. Does that apply to all five of those uh, positions? Or is that something that applies just to the pastors and teachers? Um, I would tend to lean more toward just because of the roles that they have, that he's talking more about pastors and teachers, but it really doesn't matter. If we look at those in, in larger terms of church leadership, really this first point is true, whether he's talking about all of them or just the uh, pastor and teacher role. Here's the first main idea. <clears throat> the primary role of a Christian leader is to equip believers to serve. That's what it says. 
That's the primary role. Uh, we are to equip other believers to serve. It, literally, in some of your translations, it may say this, literally what it says is the equipping of the saints. That word saints is the word holy ones. Now, when we hear that word saint, some of us in our culture you know, have certain connotations depending on your religious background and things like that. You may think of a certain thing when you hear saint. In the Bible, when it says saint, it just means somebody who's been made holy. And let me remind you that that, that is true. That term is used to apply not just to the super spiritual, but to every single follower of Christ. Every believer in Scripture is identified as a saint, a holy one. Now, again, not because we are holy in and of ourselves, but because Christ has given His holiness to us. Because of the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross that then becomes our covering for sin, because of that and because of our faith in Christ, not because we're good enough. In fact, we're not good enough, and that's the whole point. But we come to a point of trusting in Christ and His finished work on the cross. At that point, we become, we take on the righteousness of Christ or the holiness of Christ. So the holy ones that he's talking about here are every believer. That's, that's who this is addressed to. And so what that means is that every believer should be equipped to do the works of service that God has designed that person to do. Going back to 1 Corinthians 12 from last week, remember that's going to look different for every single person because God has given us different parts in the body. But the thing that we have in common is that every single one of us should be doing the work. Now, the primary, let me go back to to, to this first main idea. The primary role or the primary task or job of a pastor or teacher or church leader is to equip the people to do the works of service. Think about how different that is from the mindset. When you think about a traditional mindset, what is a pastor's job? What is my job? What is a job of staff member that are paid, and that's their vocation, is to do ministry? Here's the way a lot of us think about that. We pay them to do the work for us, right? Somebody's in the hospital, needs to be visited, send the pastor to go see him. You know, prayer needs to be said, let the pastor pray. Uh, there's you know, some other type of ministry need or a, a need for something to be taught or scripture to be taught. And some, let somebody who's trained and has a degree do that. And isn't that mindset deeply entrenched in our culture that, you know, let's let those who are the official, you know, the professional. By the way, when I, when I got my Ph.D., um, I've decided that, you know, some people say Ph.D., you know what it stands for? Professional holy dude. So <laughs> there are some people that think, you know, that there are people that, that are the professional holy dudes or dudettes, I guess, depending on however that might go. And they're the ones that have the training and do it. But what I see in Scripture, and thankfully I don't see that in Scripture because we could, we could you know, wear ourselves out real quick if that were the case. If we were trying to do all the work, that would be troublesome. Uh, what I do see in Scripture is the opposite of that. And, and what it says in this passage is that our primary job is to equip people to do the work of the ministry. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that we're not involved in the ministry. You can't lead somebody into an area that you're not willing to go yourself, right? So that doesn't mean that we're not involved hands-on. We need to be involved in doing ministry and things like that. But it's not the mindset of, hey, I'm the only one that can do this and we'll take care of it all. It's, hey, let me show you and let's do this together. And then I'm going to release you and turn you loose to go ahead and do the same thing. Some of you have heard me tell this story before because I know I've told it. 
a time or two before, but I look back and, and one of the major turning points in our church was coming to grips with the reality of exactly what we're talking about today. Uh, we were, I don't know, probably four years in or so, uh, something like that, four or five years in. Our church was a couple hundred people, maybe, um, and you know th- th- there were some good things happening, but one of the things that, that we started to notice is that we had a couple of families that started to leave our church. And it wasn't just any families leaving. These were our leadership within the church that were starting to leave. And I'm thinking, okay, something's going on here. I need to kind of figure this out, get to the bottom of it. Which, by the way, just a little tidbit here, one of the hardest things in the world to do as a pastor is to get your people to tell you the truth. I'm serious. Y'all will tell somebody else the truth, but you won't tell me the truth. I'll come and ask you, and you won't tell me. You just told somebody something totally different. You'll give me, and a lot of times that's out of respect and you know desire, not hurt feelings or whatever. But I realize, look, we, we, I got to get the truth here. We got to get to the bottom and find out what is really on the minds of people and, and what's going on. And so I thankfully had a couple of people that were willing to tell me the truth. And here was the truth: was that as mature Christian leaders in this church, there was really nothing at all. Um, geared toward them to help challenge them in their faith, to help them grow in their faith. See, when we started our church, we did so because we had a desire to reach those that were far from God. We had a desire to reach unbelievers. We had a desire to reach those that maybe had been in church, which is a lot of our culture here. These people maybe have grown up in church. Maybe they have some relationship with God, but they've fallen out of really growing in their faith. And so, you know, in, in my background, my said I grew up not really, I mean, we went to church some, but it wasn't really a priority or something that was focused on for us. And so I always have always had a heart for those that, you know, didn't have that church relationship. Because of that, all of the energy and the resources in my time went in that direction. And I realized something needs to change. We, we weren't living out Ephesians 4. Uh, my job is not to, you know, try to to spend all the time and energy uh, reaching those that don't know Christ, as important as that is, my job is to equip other people for the works of the service, allow them to do that. See, I never would have said it at the time, but I think part of my mindset was, if I want to get this done, I've got to be the one to do it because I can do it better than anybody else. And that's, that's a terrible thing to verbalize, but sometimes we think that way. And it's shifting that thinking to, no, I don't need to try to do this on myself. What I need to do is pour into other leaders. And so that really was a a, a turning point in our church and something that we've begun to focus on ever since then. In fact, one of the, the, our terminology for our ministerial staff here that we use is equipping staff. These are the folks that, you know, are in full-time ministry to serve the church because our job, our primary job is to equip. That's that's what we're supposed to do. So that's the first thing that we see here. Uh, But then the question is, or or, or what, what really the reality of that is, it's hard work, and, and you all know this, if you've done this in a business setting, sometimes it takes a lot more time and a lot more energy to train someone else to do what you do than to just do it yourself. So why go to all that effort? And verse 12 gives us the answer to that. Here's the reason. The second part of verse 12 says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Here's the second main idea. The primary purpose of serving is to build up the body of Christ. That's really what we're after. That's the goal that we're seeking to accomplish. And because that is such a, a valuable goal to build up the body of Christ, then we should be willing to do whatever's necessary to get there. I mean, the body of Christ is so important to God that He sent Jesus to, to come and die 
for the church. It talks about the church being the bride of Christ in Scripture. So obviously the body of Christ is a big deal to God. And because it's such a big deal to Him, then our job is to build up the body of Christ. Here's something that some of you may not know about. Maybe if you you don't, you just haven't been paying attention. That I'm a bodybuilder. Did you notice? Why are you laughing? No. (laughs) You're laughing with that. You can laugh at me, Charlotte. It's okay. Maybe not that type of bodybuilder. But the Bible tells us that if we are part of the body of Christ, every single one of us should be a bodybuilder. So here's your job. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a bodybuilder. Tell them. Yeah, there you go. Now I want you to tell them with a good accent, like, I am a bodybuilder. Yeah, that's fine. There you go. We got the, yes. That's our job. We are to build up the body of Christ, right? The question is, are you really? I mean, you just said I'm a bodybuilder. Are you really? Are you doing your part to build up the body of Christ? That's what we've been called to do. And, and when we do that, the end result, verse 13 says, until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Last main idea today is this. The end result of our serving is maturity in the faith. That's what happens as we mature in our faith. And then it uses this phrase here, to, to attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I'll be really honest. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but I would sure love to find out, wouldn't you? The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I mean, just that, you know, just that, that, that pinnacle of spiritual maturity. That's an exciting thing to think about. But how do you get there? You get there when the whole body is working together and building up uh, the body together. Have you noticed how in our culture it seems today that it takes people longer to mature than it did 50 years ago or so? You know what I'm uh, it, it just is part of our culture. Um, you know, back in the day, by the time a person was 30 years old, they typically were married, had two or three kids, you know, well-established in a job. Nowadays, when you're 30 years old, you're glad if somebody has a job and they're not living in their parents' basement, right? That's just kind of the reality. Now, we don't have basements around here, but you get the idea, right? It just, I mean, it's true, right? It, it, it just seems that our culture is taking longer for people to mature. And I believe the same thing is true in the body of Christ. It just seems that it just there's just more immaturity. It just seems that we're not maturing as quickly as we once did and as we should. But I look at this passage in verses like verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the wind of every teaching, you know, blown here and there. That's the goal is that we grow up in our faith. Guys, it's time for the body of Christ to wake up and realize that we need to grow up. We need to mature. And part of that maturing process comes as we are plugging in and and using our gifts. But I love that image in verse 14. You know, no longer infants tossed back and forth like the waves. Think about a tiny little boat out on the water when a furious storm comes up and that boat is just getting thrown back and forth and there's not much that they can do about it. What he's saying here is when you are an infant, that happens, right? Think about literally infants, little babies, when they're first learning to walk, when they're first learning to stand on their own, they're a little bit wobbly, right? 
they're, they're just not real stable because they're infants. I was thinking about that, uh, and I was thinking about uh, Stephen and Natalie and their little Carly, who's not yet one year old, but she's starting to stand up. And I sent him a text, and I said, hey, can you get a little video? And this is what he sent me. I thought this was great. Just a reminder of how wobbly you can be when you are still an infant. Come here. Notice her holding her Bible, by the way. I love it. Come on. <laughs> Not going to go any further. It's that little, I've got something to hold on to, and I'm okay, but now that I'm out on my own, I think I'm just going to sit down because I'm not sure what else to do, right? Sweet little Carly, but sweet little image there, too. You know, that it's okay when you're an infant, but if you're 30 and you can't stand up, it's probably because you're drunk. <laughs> or because something else is wrong, Right? I mean, it could be a neurological problem. It could be some type of issue that you have with your body, right? That it isn't functioning the way that it should function. But that's an indication that something is wrong. If you're an adult and you're still just kind of all over the place, you know, and there's no stability, that, then something isn't functioning the way it should be functioning. Some part of the body is not working correctly. And in the body of Christ, it says that we should be growing to the point where we are maturing and, and, and we're functioning with stability. We're not being blown back and forth all over the place. So the question then is, how do we grow to maturity? And one of the answers is, and it says this in this passage, uh, that as we are um, using our gifts and as we are, are, are serving and as we are being equipped for service, it says that's what leads to the spiritual maturity is the people being equipped for service. So here's one last thing I just kind of want you to think about here when it comes to that. You know, God's desire is to, to pour into us so that we grow. I like visuals sometimes, so I brought me a little visual with me today. So here's what God does. We are the balloon. Here's God. <laughs> Pouring into us, blowing into us. And... He continues to do so. So we continue to grow, right? And that's an exciting thing when we continue to grow. And God says, let me give you some more. So God gives some more. And we continue to grow. And it gets real exciting. And God says, hey, I got plenty of breath for you. Let me give you more. I'm not going to do it to you, Janine. It's okay. But she's getting a little nervous. She gets the idea already, right? We start to get filled up. God says, no, you can take more than that. Okay, there comes a point where you just really can't take any more unless you let it out, right? And the way we let out what God puts into us is by taking it and just pouring it out through service. Now, guess what? You're ready to be filled back up again. And the more we are emptying ourselves, the more we are giving to others, the more we are ready for God to come along and say, hey, I got more for you, I got more for you. And God's supply is never ending. God will continue to fill us up. It's just a matter of are we emptying ourselves so that we're ready to receive what God wants to give.
Verse 16, we'll end on this note. Let me read this again. For from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We started in verse 11 with a reminder, Jesus is the one who gave the apostles, prophets, and all those things. We, we kind of bookend it and end with the same reminder, from him, the whole body. See, this is all about Christ and what he wants to do to build up his body. But the way he does it is as each part does its work. Not as just a few parts do their work. We talked about this last week. The body can function when not all the parts are working correctly. It just doesn't function at the capacity that it should. What should be happening is that each part is doing its work. So have you found your place there yet? Have you found your place to say, I know what my part of the body is, and I want to grow and mature as I'm serving, and I want to help the body be built up as each part is doing its work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the body of Christ. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ in this community, not just here at Gateway, but... Uh, Lord, in, in, in our city and surrounding cities and just the amazing churches that you have put in place here. I pray that you would continue to grow your body. Uh, but Lord, we also pray that specifically for this local body. And we pray for each individual here that you would show us what it looks like, Lord, to, to uh, just be equipped so that we can serve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.